The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Amen. Man, what a great time in the Lord. I, um, I mean, I can't hardly contain myself up here. I know y'all find it hard to believe, but I am just really excited. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing um, in so many ways here at Flint Hill, but particularly in our men. Uh, And I would say to all of you, I don't I don't know if it's in the bulletin or not, but if you're if you're wanting to go uh, be a part of that men's conference coming up in February, uh, we'll figure out a place. But we've uh, used up. We got 25 men uh, right now set to go. Uh, but if God lays on your heart to come, let me know and we'll get a ticket. We'll figure it out somehow uh, to get you to be a part of that. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the men and women's Bible studies that will be starting up here in a couple of weeks. I know there's sign-ups in the back on the way out today uh, trying to get an idea of an account of how many might be here. That will be on Sunday night and Monday morning. Uh, it's just good. There's so many things that I could just celebrate and praise the Lord. And I'm thankful, I really am, for these men that have been set apart, called by God to serve the Lord in this way. Uh, This morning, I I just want to take a few moments, and uh, last week I shared with you, or let me back up, if you've been here several weeks, I've talked about a firm foundation. I think it's important for us as a body of Christ to be reminded of what really is a firm foundation. Um, I know some of you are builders in the house. Uh, My dad did build our house. I was just a young boy. I was like the grunt boy, you know what I'm saying? Like dad would say, go do this and do that. I really, uh, as Bruce could probably testify, uh, you probably don't want me building much around here. Um, Anyway, that's an inside joke, but I measured three times on some wood and got it wrong apparently every single time. And uh, I'm I'm probably not the one you want building that porch or something like that, Um, but I can get the job done. You can tell me what to do and I'll get after it, Uh, but I'm not the skilled person. But I will say this, the Bible speaks much of, Jesus did, um, and particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, about the wise and the foolish man. And the wise person builds his house upon the rock. The rock. And uh, as a church, we want to be built on a firm foundation. Uh, I shared with you some weeks ago about the gospel. Uh, that, it, that for the church, it's always been this way, not just in the 21st century, but all throughout since Jesus' death and resurrection, it's been the gospel. What Christ did for us on the cross in His life, death, and resurrection is the foundation. It's the only foundation that, that is worthy to be built upon any kind of ministry. So whatever we do, we ought to be presenting the gospel. I mean, no matter what we do, it doesn't matter. Uh, to God be the glory. Whatever we do, do it. Do it all by presenting the gospel. Uh, And I shared um, also about the grace of God. Not going to relive that. Last week I talked about the love of God. Really from the the reality that God is love. The fact that we can even talk about love today emanates from Him. It's who He is. Uh, Which is interesting because oftentimes I meet people and they're scared to death of the Lord. Uh, They are, and rightly so. I mean, if you're not right with Him, there's much to be said about fear of the Lord and respect and awe. But make no mistake, throughout history, throughout Scripture, God has revealed Himself as a God who loves you and me. Uh, His love uh, covers a multitude of sin. It was His love that created the heavens and the earth. It was His love that created me and you. 
It was his love that drew, uh, that, 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 that birthed that baby in the manger that led Jesus to die on the cross and be raised according to the scriptures on the third day. It was his love for us. So if you will, open your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, some of you probably have this memorized, probably, uh, but that's okay. Let it not be familiar in your ears this morning when I read this. Uh, Billy Graham said, if you know this one verse, you know enough. I mean, you know enough. Uh, and I hope you hear it today. I really do. Because God's love really demands a response from us. I can't help but to go there. I wanted to go there so badly last week. Uh, but God's love that He has demonstrated is really demands something from me and you who call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ. But let me say a few things about God's love. First of all, it's revealed. What do I mean by that? You, you would ne we would never know God's love unless He first loved us and made it known. There's no way. You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to love the Lord. Mm -mm. He's had to open your eyes to see His love that surpasses knowledge. And make no mistake, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world. Don't get hung up on that. Don't think universe and the stars and the sky. Think about all people, all places, everywhere. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God loves you. Go ahead, turn to him. All right, wait a minute. Hold on. Now say it again with meaning this time. Say it with meaning. Say, God loves you. They didn't hear you. Tell them. Woo, come on. Greatest words you'll ever hear on this side of heaven. God loves you. Peel back the blinders, peel back the facade. God loves you. The good, the bad, the ugly. He loves you on your best day. He loves you on your worst day. He loves you. It'll blow your living mind when you realize how much God loves you. No longer will you whine about this and that and whatever. And other. God loves you. That's it. His love is forever. I know. We, we need to see that. I'm just being a God love. This is true in Scripture. God make it true in our lives today. That we would, God, open the heavens and let us know how much you love us. Because we walk in such a way that we don't realize God loves us. We walk in hindrances. We walk in oppression. We walk in affliction. We walk in addiction. And we don't realize how much God loves me and you. His love doesn't just surpass knowledge. His love sets us free. I'm sorry, I'm trying to contain myself a little bit this morning. I really am, because I get to hollering sometimes and getting emotional. Whew, I just lose myself, because this is one of those things. It will flat change your life when you really grasp. And let me say, you can. You can grasp. That's the prayer of Ephesians chapter 3. Paul prayed for the Christians in Ephesus and for us today. You can know His love that surpasses knowledge. You can grow in the capacity of God's love for you. He can enlarge your heart, your mind, your life to understand. To not just in your mind, but in every aspect of your life that God loves you. Never doubt again His love for you. God loves you. He loves the world that He gave. Listen, it's real clear. He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Some of the most beautiful words any person could ever hear and most beautiful words we could ever share with anyone. If you're ever wondering what you could share with your friend that doesn't know Christ, share John 3.16. If you're ever wondering what to share with your son or daughter or granddaughter, 
Share John 3.16. Pray it over them. Share it with them as much as you can. If you've got somebody that doesn't know Christ in your family and you really love them, then you need to be sharing John 3.16 with them. Make every opportunity. I don't care. Write letters. Pray it in the prayer of blessing. Do something. When you're praying over your food, pray John 3.16. Do whatever you can because God reveals to us, and this one scripture really resonates with that, that God revealed His love for us, that Jesus died on that cross for us. Now, the second thing is this, that God's love, as amazing as it is, must be received. I could sit here until I'm blue in the face or red in the face, whatever, come, you know, you know how I get going sometimes. And I can talk about God's love all day. I can get up in your grill. I can get, I can get down on the floor and get real personal with you and save you. I can call out your name. I know most of you in the house right now. And say, God loves you. I can get all in it. I really can. But it really doesn't, I mean, here's the deal. I, it's not about me telling you. It's about the reality that you come to the place where you acknowledge that you need His love that surpasses knowledge. And it's only found in Christ alone. It's only in Christ alone. And it has to be received. We see that in John 3.16. Whoever believes in Him. Man, good night. That word... I mean, it's just real clear, real simple. It means you come to the place where you acknowledge that you have sinned, you've done wrong, that you have, don't measure up. But, but it's not just that. Don't stop there. It, it's also about confessing your need for a Savior and that He alone has the authority and the power to forgive sin and to demonstrate His love. And so by faith, you trust in Him. By faith, you believe in Him. That's what the word means, to trust in, to rely upon. And, and it's not just some... Some words that come out of your mouth. But it's, it's your whole life that you literally come before the Lord and say, God, I give you my life. I trust you with my life. I, I hope all of us here today, I hope so, but there may not be. There may be someone here today that's never come to that place. That you've come to church, but you haven't come to the Savior. You haven't come to Him who can cleanse you of your sin and forgive you and Fill you with His presence and His love that surpasses knowledge. The word is clear that whoever believes, that means trust in. Uh, the Bible, uh, in Romans 5, 1-8, Paul said it this way, We are just, we are made right with God through faith. We are justified by faith. Yes, it's by God's grace, but you have to believe and trust in Him. Now for some of y'all that are in the choir, which by the way, love the choir. I hope y'all do. I know. I'm sorry. My brain digressed there for just a moment. I just want to praise the Lord for, for not just the people up here, but just the opportunity to sing together in the Lord, right? To be employed in that way. And, there, and there's others of you still out here, still waiting to join in. You can be here today. I mean, I, it's always an open invitation. But you gotta be, you got to receive this love. It's not just going to mystically or magically show up in your house tomorrow. You've got to confess and you've got to believe and trust in and turn from your sin and turn to the Savior. It is that pure and simple. And it is simple. It is simple. But it'll cost you everything. And there's nothing wrong with assessing the cost because some people just don't want to give their life to Christ. They'd rather just sink in their own sin. They'd rather do their own way. They'd rather choose their own doing. That's, that's what, I mean, just plain and simple. Some people are stubborn. Don't turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't, don't even look around right now. I'm struggling because I'm looking around the congregation. And I don't mean you. Well, unless it is you. I mean, that's, a, that's another story. 
I mean, if you're the stubborn one, then come to your senses like the, like the dear Lord, the, 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 the prodigal in the pig pen. He came to his senses. And what did he remember? His father's love. Come to your senses. Come to your senses and acknowledge there's only one way that you're ever going to be forgiven of sin and assured of heaven. There's only one love that is real and personal. And it's through Christ alone. And listen, God does love you, but you've got to receive by faith and trust in Him. So God's love has to be received. Not only that, but God's love is relational. I could spend all day here. To me, this is just paramount. Uh, you see the scriptures, you can write those down. Matthew 22, 34 through 40 is what we would call the great commandment. I probably could call out some of you and you probably quote it. I'll start it like this. Jesus was confronted one day by, by, by some uh, 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 Pharisees and this, this uh, uh, expert in the law. And they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? They were trying to trap him. And what's beautiful is the Lord, I mean, gee, I know he's Jesus, but he, he summarizes the entire Old Testament, what we would call the Ten Commandments, the entire prophets, everything of what we call 39 books of the Old Testament. He summarizes it with this statement. He said the greatest thing that anybody would ever do with their life is, huh? Love who? I can't hear you. What? Yeah, God, love the Lord with all your... Thank you. All right. I know. I put some of y'all on. You're like. It's relational. It's relational. Always has been. Go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. He walked with them and talked with them. That's not just a good hymn. That's a reality. Now, there was sin that came in, and sin had to be dealt with, and he did. He dealt with it finally in Christ. His death on the cross satisfied completely the wrath of God and made the only provision for us to be forgiven of sin. And that's clear. That's narrow. Jesus, take it up with him if you want to. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody is going to come to the Father except through him. That's Jesus' words in John 14, 6. Take it up with him if you think it's too narrow. There's only one who has the authority and the power to forgive sin, to unleash His love that surpasses knowledge in our heart. Literally, it's in Christ alone. But it's always been about a relationship. Always relational. Always. And it is still so today. Please hear me. Please hear me. Friend, if you're here today and you're hanging on to some routine, please, I pray God would just burn it up right now in Jesus' name. I really do. If you're hanging on to some routine or some checklist, hey, I went to church this morning. God, may God just devour it by the fire of the Lord right now. God, consume it. Because at the end of the day, what is going to be eternal is your life with Him. Your relationship with Him is forevermore. And it doesn't begin there. It begins now. Friend, if you're here today and you cannot testify to a new life in Christ being... I mean, I'm going to use Jesus' word in John chapter 3. When he confronted Nicodemus, he said, Nick, you got to be born again. That's a relationship. It's as real as your physical birth, your spiritual birth. It's real. It's personal. It's relevant. It is intimate. It is everything in that and more. Not just for some, but for every child of God. God reconciles us to Himself. What does that mean? That means you get to know Him personally and the incredible joy of His fellowship. 
That means that His presence in our life is just new. And God wants to renew that day by day by day. Help us to grow in that. Just like a baby growing up or a child growing up. God, let us grow up in this incredible relationship that's real. It's personal. Now, there's nothing wrong with routine. Thank you. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But don't let the routine dictate or define who you are. It's a relationship. Friend, God calls us to that. His love has always been relational. And the last thing is this. God's love is required. Required. Now, what do you mean? So I'm going to turn there to John 13. I've been John's gospel all over. But I love this statement. Now, this is for every child of God. If you're not a Christian here this morning and you're wanting to know, then you just pull me aside at the end of the service and... Or in the moment, we'll have an invitation. You come forward. But for everyone who says, I'm a Christian, that I'm a child of God, that I've been forgiven of sin, that God's love has been poured out in my heart today, that I have a relationship with the Lord, then hear, hear the word of the Lord. Maybe hear it afresh and new right now. In John 13, verse 34. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, if you're wondering. If you're wondering, how how do we love? In what manner of way do I love that person next to me or the people around me? In what manner? Jesus would say this, in the same exact way I love you. Love those. So you must love one another. By this, all men, all people, every place you go, at home, at work, at play, at school, wherever you are, all people will know that you're really followers of me. That's that word disciple. I talked about it in the membership class this morning. How will people know that I really follow Jesus? Literally, he said, if you love others in the way that I've loved you. People will know. Now, friend, I, I'm, I'm talking. I'm, this is this is a word to Christians. This is a word to those that claim to know Christ personally as their Lord and Savior. Because, friend, there's no way you're going to live this outside of knowing Christ personally. There's no way unless God's love is made manifest in your heart, poured out in you. There's no way you can love others like Jesus unless you know Jesus. But please hear me, church. This is the body of Christ. I'm speaking to my Christians here today. People of God here at Flint Hill. And, uh, and our guest, God's love is required. He will hold every one of us accountable by how we have demonstrated His love to others. Make no mistake about it. He, he wants us to live out our lives in such a way that people will see Christ in us, the hope of glory. There never has been a plan B. That's plan A from the beginning. Now listen, here, please hear me. I'm not trying to heap anything on anybody. Friend, if you're here today and you go, man, I know Christ. I know Him. He's my Lord and Savior. But I'm just not where I need to be. Then here's what I would say to you as a pastor. I would say, look, come to a small group. Start pouring into your relationship with the Lord. Read the Word of God. Get involved in a men's group, a women's group. Be around other believers and, and encouraging one another in the Lord. Because re- that's the biblical way to grow in Christ. I can't make you grow. I can't say, "Mm," you know, and just force you to grow. That's not going to happen. But friend, if you cultivate the soil of your soul, you will grow. If you know Christ, He's the one that brings forth the growth. 
He wants you to be like Christ. He wants you to be transformed into the image of His Son. He wants you to represent Him well in the world in which you live. Make no mistake about it. So right now, here's what I want us to do. If you will, bow your heads for me this morning. And uh, Father, we come before you right now in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, your word is clear, it's simple, and yet it's very strong. And God, I know that we're here. We're here as a people of God right here in this sanctuary this morning. And God, I, I just sense that you're beating loudly in our hearts today. There are some here today that need to just be honest before you, be real before you, confess before you. Not for salvation, but for just coming back home and just turning their life to you and submitting to you as their Lord and Savior. So God, I pray that you would have your way in this sanctuary, Lord Jesus. God, if there's anyone here today that is yet to make public a profession of faith in Christ, God, set them free today. Turn them loose to let it be known. To follow through believers' baptism. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, church. As we sing this song, you be obedient to the Lord.